Welcome to the show. Paul George here in studio with Adam Cock. Talking all things art of living. What's going on, big guy? Just growing my beard. I know. We talked about it last week, but... Uh, it's getting out of hand. I thought you would trim it, but I you did. haven't. No, I trimmed it, but I didn't like make it shorter. I just made it cleaner. Right. So how long does it actually take you to grow a beard? But even if it's not that long, like... A week, couple a week? weeks. Are you like, like part, say, oh, he's got a beard going. Are you like part Italian? Part werewolf. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Are you? Part werewolf? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of kind of a thing. There was one in my neighborhood the other day. A oh, werewolf. Really? Yeah. Saw it down the street. So, I, of course, I shot it. I want to say the neighborhood. But it was so fast, by the time I got to it, it had turned back into my neighbor's dog. Wow. That's intense. Yeah. Dude, you're so, crazy. You have crazy way too many are. young kids. <laughs> are all your kids like super like imaginative? Like they just make up stuff? Yes, and they, they do like puns like I do. Like I've taught them the ways of the pun. Which, what's like one of your favorite puns? One of mine? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, the art of punning is, this is the art of living, right? And right. puns are part of life. Right. Okay, great. Just want to make... Make sure we all understand that. Yeah. But the art of punning is to take an everyday thing happening and then pun it. And you're right? pretty good at punning. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, every now I'm, and then you... I'm pun believable. <laughs> Seriously, I can't handle it. So anyway, <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, have you seen this, bro? What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though? Yeah, I'm for real. So here's the thing that's putting everybody in a good mood. You want to guess? Sunshine. No, because, well, not here. Like, it rains no. every afternoon. Yeah. Uh, but if you're other places, like, I'll be going out to Phoenix next week. Really? It's sunny there all the time. But, uh, you know, we usually get a rain shower here late summer mm-hmm. before fall. It's like every day. But anyway, that's not what's putting everybody in a good hmm. mood. What is? It's not the weather. No. Although fall is soon, right? You can mm-hmm. almost taste it in the air, but that's not what it is. No. No, it's really weird, honestly. It's football. Football. It changes, like, everything. You know, it's something about, I don't know, like, taking your mind off of, like, the stresses of life. Mm-hmm. You know, last week we talked about fear. Uh, so you can go back and listen to the podcast uh, on it. I, I thought, you know, I got some. we got some good feedback from the show. But, yeah, somehow, like, there's certain things in life that kind of, they're, they're neither good nor bad. Like, it's not, you know, it just takes your kind of your thought process away about the the stresses of life and and football is one of those things college football high school football professional football signs of fall it's all here yeah and it's good for the country i mean i think we're in a very tense time as a church but also just as a nation i don't know if you've been following the uh gorsuch nomination for the supreme court yeah. how crazy that's getting it's, it reminds me of you remember those old movies i guess a league of their own was one of them where they go back to like World War II times right. and somehow they find refuge in a sport. You know, so it's like yeah. the world's at war, things are crazy, but somehow people come together to play a sport together and it makes everything better. I think that's kind of where we're at with football this season. It's like, look, this is crazy. Everything is crazy. Let's just watch some football. Yeah, it's one of those things like sport has always been around for centuries. I mean, you know, the, you can you can go to Rome and, you know, still yeah. see the Colosseum now. You've tossed an apple to Adam. Yep. Yep, go long, go long. He <laughs> he caught it. He heard go wrong. He's like, what, what, what? Go wrong, <laughs> not go long. Yeah, exactly. It kind of takes your mind. Out. But you know, it is one of those things that th- there's a few things about sports. One is it it kind of builds unity. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's one thing that you can agree on, even if you don't agree on a lot of other things. Yeah. You know, and in particularly like in our world and in our country, we're all, we're always disagreeing about everything. Like you know, you can't be on the internet or watch the news, and it's you're constantly reminded about division in our country. I, I kind of get lost in it because it, it just kind of you know, it really kind of gets me sad sometimes just seeing yeah. how divided we are. And so it's like, it's like a sport is like one thing that kind of unites us, you know, not the one thing, but it is a thing that unites us. But well, I think one of the power of sports is that there's a coach. I know that's kind of trite, but there's a visible figure leading a team to a goal and an objective. And there's just something so human about that. Right. That it's, it's refreshing. Yeah. It's not complicated. It's like, look, we're going to score some points, and this is how we're going to do it. This is so simple. <laughs> we're rallying around something that's really, really simple. Yeah. You know, a, a bunch of people who are trying to achieve the same goal, and they're, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of fun. And you kind of. That's why I like high school sports a lot more now than, you know, I guess when I was younger, professional sports had a certain glitz and glamour, and they still do, I guess. But to just see the very human experience of, you know, a coach and kids playing a game. Yeah. It's just refreshing. <laughs> yeah. So your opinion, you're a musician uh, and you play a lot of music. You know, I grew up playing sports. I, I think both of those things, in my opinion, provide a platform to teach a lot of lessons about life, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I look at football or look at sports or any sport, really, uh, in my opinion, I think it provides a great platform for kids to learn so many life lessons, you know, and when you have a coach who can use that platform to teach those life lessons, it's amazing. And you mentioned in high school sports, cause these are young kids and most kids who play high school never play beyond high school. Like right. this is the only time they'll ever play. It'll be the last time they ever play. And this sort of see these kids who are underachievers in the sport who play, who will never play again. The lessons that they're learning or can learn uh, I think are amazing, you know, as we talk about the art of living, and there are a lot of lessons I learned playing sports that I can still apply in my life today. Well, and honestly, the, the team-building aspect, you brought it up earlier, if, if anybody is struggling in their marriage or with their kids to connect, play some sports. Hmm. It doesn't have to be intense, but throw a Frisbee. Yeah. Kick a soccer ball. Just it's amazing the effect it has. What? Unless you're in our house, don't play board games because we always fight over board games. <laughs> <laughs> but go outside. No, but some physical activity. Yeah, definitely. Where you have to encourage one another, like good catch right, or whatever. Somehow it just kind of resets the human instincts. Yeah. And, and you, you become on the same side, and it's nice. Yeah, the good thing about our house is that when we're watching sports, we usually agree on the same team. So there's not a lot of division in our house. But gotcha. if we're playing a game, it gets pretty competitive. Wow. Usually a fight breaks out. It's always awesome. Like a fist fight? No, 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 no okay. not that. Well, no, no, not no. that. No. 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 Definitely not. Not that. But, you know, here, here is, you know, in the show today, I want to talk about kind of a really important topic that I think affects all of us. Uh, it's one of those things that creeps into our life and, you know, it, it, it grabs us. A lot of times we don't think about it and then we kind of find ourselves sitting in this sort of this this muck or this dark cloud over us. We're going to get into this conversation. So as we're talking about sport, when we talk about, you know, different teams and comparing ourselves to others and where other people are compared to us, 
we're going to get into this interesting conversation and how our faith can play a huge role in helping us with this. It's Paul George, Adam Conk, Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Adam Conk, right here in studio. Right here, right now. All right, so we're just going to get right into the conversation here. Sounds good. Uh, so here's what I'm finding out a lot when I'm having conversations with people, a topic that's really affecting them. And if I can be completely honest and transparent, Whoa. which I find that I try to be and I usually am, is here's an issue that affects me and affects a lot of people, uh, men and women alike. Maybe men don't think about it as much as women do or are affected, but I think it, it it's across the board affects us all and it's the idea of comparing ourselves to others Mm -hmm. and i I think you're like you know people are like wait what no honestly like it's one of those things that that i find that affects people's not only mood uh not only the direction in their life but their spiritual life the goals they want to achieve the things that they want to do uh it it actually is one of those things that i think oftentimes makes people stuck in life. Yeah, and as you say that, I'm thinking, and for a lot of us, every day is us trying to catch up to a certain standard or ideal that we've been after for years, whether it's with our marriage or our home or our job, mm-hmm. and we just feel like we just can't get there. Right. So each day we're kind of struggling to get there. Right. But where does that standard come from? Right. Right? Where does this bar come from that we're chasing and a lot of times it's just what we think everybody else is doing yeah. or the successful people we see. Right. And maybe it's not actually. <laughs> and this is what happens is yeah. we, we have this thing in our mind and this standard, and then it doesn't become our standard. What it becomes is it's a standard based on where other people are and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening with comparing is that we look at other people and say, well, I want to be like them or I want to be where they are. Uh, whether it be financially or in you know in their vocation or uh, what they've achieved or money wise you know we can be driving down the road and we can compare and look at what someone's driving we can look at someone's house we're constantly being bombarded with these thoughts of what I don't have what I think I should have what I need what I think I need where I should be and where I'm not. Like these mm-hmm. are constantly thoughts that are rolling through people's minds. And the more and more more we think about what other people are doing, the more we compare ourselves and then we just sink into this pit of, well, I'm not enough. Like I don't have enough. I haven't accomplished enough. I haven't succeeded enough. And then the comparison, you know, pulls us into depression. It pulls us into anxiety, distress, uh, into you know thinking that, well, I'll never be good enough. I'll never do that. I'll never be able to achieve anything. And I think most people don't realize how much they're unsettled 
with this issue. And I think you're right. Like we just don't think about this, but a lot of us live every day as if something's wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And we never ask why or like what. And for me, I mean, every time I'm close with the Lord, it's this, it's this experience that the apostles had with Jesus on the boat where it's like, I discover who I've had the whole time, you know, where he's sleeping on the boat and the waves are going like, Lord, what are you doing? And like, he's been there the whole time. And then he manifests on the lake, the peace that was already there in the boat. If they would have just had their eyes open, the boat could have been very serene. And what I'm saying is like, the more I, as I draw to Jesus, I realize he's been here the whole time Mm -hmm. and everything really is okay because he's with me. Right. Whereas if I have this feeling that something is wrong all the time, I will work and work and work and move and move and move uh, trying to achieve something that I had already. Yeah. I think it's gotten worse in our culture, honestly. You know, when I was growing up, no, no internet. Uh, you know, so you can, How long you can that? compare Gosh. yourselves to a few people in your school and say, yeah. well, you know, they look like they have a lot of money or they're rich or they have a nice house or a nice car. But, you know, for the most part, like you were kind of surrounded with, with a lot of the same people and, you know, uh, and here's the caveat. Like, I'm not saying like, hey, Adam, like you have a, a really good marriage and I'm looking at that and I'm thinking... I want that as well. well. What is the difference? You know, like help me move forward in the in in like the areas of my life where I know that I'm lacking. The difference is is we're not settled in believing in our identity of who we're we're made to be. So we're constantly seeking other things to make us happy, basically, mm. and make us fulfilled, right? Mm. And I honestly think, and if we were to all be honest, I think the advent of the internet has been a huge cause for anxiety, depression, stress, fear, worry, because we're constantly looking at other people's lives on the interwebs, whether they be famous people, whether it be po- politicians, or whether they be our own friends on the internet. And we're constantly comparing ourselves to what they're doing, what they have, where they are. And then what happens is the kickback on that is, well, that's not me, right? Yeah, and it, and this happens in the church world, right? I mean, lay ministers, priests, I don't know about bishops. I haven't seen them on Facebook much. But um, but no, like we, we see a post or a video, and maybe we've been working hard in ministry for a long time, but then somebody puts a two-minute video that seems awesome, and we're like, man, I haven't done anything. Right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't go on vacation and they did. And, you know, I, I don't wear that or drive that. I mean, so so it used to be a little bit different where we weren't as affected by it, but now we're constantly bombarded by it with the media, yeah. with, with, you know, TV and the Internet. And I find that, you know, with the rise of anxiety statistically in people's lives, young people and old people, I can't help but think that the Internet has a huge, huge cause to that. And You know, one time I was doing work in Nashville, and I was there, and I was actually sitting with a business guy. He's a Christian business owner, but he is a business guy, and he was, and I was asking him questions about business, just ideas, and you know, good ways of doing business, and you know how he was, you know, successful at what he's good at, you know, and he he made a really good point, and I've always thought about it. It's been, you know, a lesson that I've thought about, and it's been over ten years. And he, he got up, and on his whiteboard in his office, he, he drew a ladder. And he says, you know, most people 
uh, or climbing a ladder. You know, like you're trying to get somewhere. So you could say that in the business world or in your personal life. You know, you're you're trying to move forward. And he says, you know, like what most people do is they look up the ladder and they look at the person above them and they're trying to climb over them to get up this ladder. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he says, that's the wrong way to approach life. And he's, and he drew another ladder beside that. And he says, you have your own ladder to climb. Don't look at someone else's ladder. Look at the ladder that God has given you, the gifts that you have, where you want to go in your life. And, and you climb that ladder at the pace that you're supposed to climb it and don't worry about the ladder next to you and what they're doing. And I remember thinking to myself, this is great. Like, this is good. Like, I can apply this in, mm -hmm. in all areas of my life. And when I look at other people where they are spiritually, look at other people where they are vocationally, look at other people where they are financially, where they look at other people where they are professionally, when I'm constantly looking at other people, then I'm thinking about where I'm not instead of where God has me and where God wants to move me. Mm -hmm. And if we're focused on our ladder too, there has to be a certain, because the comparison works both ways. One, I might look at somebody else and say, oh, I got that, I could do better. Or I might just say, I'll never be that great. And I have this like despair. Mm -hmm. And I think as Catholics, we do this with the saints all the time. Hmm. I'll never be like that saint. I'll never be whatever. It'd be nice, but... And we put them on this little pedestal. Right. Um, in other words, like, they're so far up the ladder, I'll never make it. Right. But that's not how they thought. They thought about what God was asking them to do, and they just did it. Little they, steps. They didn't care. Of holiness yeah. every day. And um, and we do this with our Lord, too, I think. Right. And this is, you know, a lot of people that um, I've spoken with that have struggled with prayer, this is actually an issue that comes up a lot, is that if I see the Lord as someone far up that ladder that I'll just never be like. Right and I despair, I will go nowhere in my spiritual life. Right. Because the reality is, is that Christ is the ladder. Christ is the, he's everything in, in the journey. He's not an ideal for me to reach for. He is everything to me. And if I just accept that and where I'm at and listen to him, then I will become the person that God's calling me to become. And Christ will help me do it. In other words, I am his project, not the other way around. Like I'm not a project that I need to be working on and getting better at and climbing up that ladder. I'm his project, his love, right? So, like, just let him love me. Right. But I have to get out of this comparison, even in the spiritual world, to people that seem holier and better, even right. our Lord himself, and think, oh, success means I'm going to be more like them. Right. When in reality, that's that's not it. Yeah, so here's one of the things, and, and the, the such great points. Here's one of the things that I think comparisonism does to us when you talk about prayer is that, when we compare ourselves to others and what others you are doing, thinking, being, you know, have, is we stop discerning for ourselves what God wants. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I'm looking at my career or if I'm looking at, you know, whatever area of my life, and I think, well, let me just look at someone else and see what they're doing, and I'll just do that. Well, I didn't discern that. Like, I didn't discern and say, God, what do you want from me? Where do you want mm. me to go? What do you want me to work on? What do you want me to do? What are my gifts? No, no, no. I'm just going to look at someone else's gifts, and I'm just going to do their gifts, or I'm going to do that job, or I'm going to do what they do instead of discerning and praying about what God wants from me. And this is what happens. When we compare, we, we basically copy. We want to copy other people. And I see this all the time in the church. I see it in, in every area of life is we just look at other people and we just copy what they do 
copy paste, mm-hmm. copy paste. But I'll do it better. But I'll just do it better, <laughs> yeah. and then we realize that we're not authentically being ourselves. Yeah. Because we're trying to be someone else, and for us to authentically be ourselves and not compare is is to link link directly to God and say, God, what do you want from me? What are you asking me to do? Mm. You know, so it's fine that you know you have your ladder as we use that analogy to look to someone and say you know what is your suggestion how how can you help me to take the next step on my ladder not your ladder so we can learn from other people you yeah. know if you're stuck in your marriage or as a father or as a parent or in your job it's we can ask people to help us in our discernment it's like wh- what would you say is the next step for me what do you see so that i can take the next step in my life on my ladder not yours I'm not just copy and pasting. I'm learning from you, but I'm moving forward the way God wants me to move forward. I mean, one of the best questions we could ask someone else is, "What do you think? What do you think the Lord is calling me to?" Right. And they may not have it right, but something they're going to say, something about what they're going to say is going to be true. May not be completely true, but people always see things in us that we don't see in ourselves, and it's helpful to be humble enough to say, "What do you think the Lord is asking me to do?" No, I'm not going to do it right away. I'm going to take it to prayer. I'm going to take it back to Jesus. Like, Jesus, is this what you want? Um, but to me, that that's what we can do with these people in our life that we look up to. Because, I mean, I hope everyone has people in their life they look up to. I know I do, like tons, and I'm so blessed because of that. But one of the biggest things they can do for us is to speak God's will to us, even partially, and then we can sit with the Lord and, and get a full picture. Yeah, not long ago I was having a conversation with someone who was asking me questions about discernment. And they're a young married couple, and they're discerning some big things and some moves and some jobs and yada, yada. And, you know, I said, well, you know, one of the, you know, I think one of the major areas of discernment is actually asking people their advice. It, mm. it, it talks about in, in Scripture seeking godly wisdom, godly counsel. So if you're going to make a decision, it's not the only thing you do. You pray, you you know, you weigh out your pros and cons, you 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 really listen to the Lord, but you you ask other people who you respect and know and say, What is your opinion? What do you think? What is God saying to you about me, about this? And they're like, well, we haven't sought any godly wisdom. I say, Well, your discernment's gonna be off. Yeah. Right? Because other people can speak truth into our lives. They can help us to move forward on our ladder. We can learn from this as we talk about the art of living. We don't learn the art of living on our own. We learn it from other people, but we don't learn it by comparing ourselves because no. that pushes us off the ladder. We learn by asking people to help us to move forward, right? Yeah, yeah. and we discover ourselves. You know, Christ Christ reveals us to ourselves, as John Paul II said, and it happens when we're not, we don't see in Christ a person we'll never become, or we don't see in people around us people that we need to be like, but we see in Christ the only source of who we really are. And a relationship with him reveals to us. And this is the joy of life. The joy of life is discovering our own life in Christ. Right. Like anything short of that is just a counterfeit and it's not real life, right? Like I'm constantly learning more and more who I am in Jesus Christ every day. That makes life worth living. Yeah, John Paul II says, you know, we're the the artist basically, um, you know, quoting and, you know, kind of interpreting, but he mm. says we're the artists of our own masterpiece. Mm. You know, like we're painting the picture of our life, like as we live, and that's a beautiful thing. And certainly we're going to spill paint. We're going to mess up. 
it's not always going to look like the best picture, but but God has given us the grace to paint our life, right, and to paint the picture that that we want. And certainly, like, it's never going to be perfect, and that's not what He's saying here. But but it's our life, it's and it's it's our painting, and it's our interpretation of 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 what God is calling us to do, instead of just saying, "I'm just going to paint what they want." So when I was in when I was in sixth grade, that the, the we had a project for Mother's Day to paint a picture and draw a picture and paint it for our moms. And then they would take the picture and put it on a plate nice. and make the picture on a plate. And you gave your mom a plate and th- that would last forever. And she would eat on it. Yeah, she'd, eat she'd on, display she, it. She'd eat on it. <laughs> so here's the thing that you need to know about me is that uh, <laughs> I can't draw or paint. So what I did is I asked my friend Casey, who sat next to me, who was a great artist in sixth grade? I said, "Can you just draw the picture for me? I want a, I want a car." And so, he, so he drew the picture. He he drew the picture, and uh, you know, my mom still has a plate. I found it in her house not long ago when I went to visit, and wow. I was laughing about it. But I began to think. I was like, you know what? Like, there's something just non-authentic about that plate. It's Casey's plate. It's really Casey's <laughs> plate. Like, I didn't draw that, you know. And, and but you know, I had someone else draw it. Like, I should have mm. just drew it, even if it was horrible. Yeah. Right. And like, the memory would have been much better. Like, hey, like I actually drew that. It looks really bad, but like, you know. And I think that's often what we do is like we just want other people. And I was. Uh, last week I was talking to uh, some parents. They have older, you know, teenage kids, and you know, they were they're struggling with a couple of big decisions, and their kids are struggling with a, a couple of things, and one in particular, and all normal, like life, tough life stuff, right? Mm. And I was saying, like, this is the time, like, when your kids are teenagers, to like put the gas on the pedal, like pursue your kids more, like this is the time to speak truth into them and their identity and. Like, don't take your foot off the pedal and just think they'll figure it out. Like, so we're talking about this and we're going at it. And the dad just looked at me. He's like, can you just come over and do this? <laughs> and I was like, no, I can't. Mm-hmm. This is not my, this is not my job. This is not my painting. Mm-hmm. Like you have to get messy in there and have these conversations with your kids. Even if you don't know how, even if you don't know what to say or know what to do, like pick up the paintbrush and just start painting, and God's going to help you figure it out, right? Yeah, you just have to show up. But see, the comparison thing, especially with parenthood, i found it's so easy to say, okay, well, what kind of parent do I want to be? And I look around, and I'm like, I'll be like that parent. I'll be like this parent. Or I can't believe I'm that kind of parent who would do such and such or say such and such. And it's just so dangerous i think because it's such an important job and we all know that right. you know like this human being's life depends on a large part these 18 years that i have them or more if you know they're <laughs> right. millennial if um <laughs> if i have them to raise them mm-hmm. and so we feel so nervous about it we don't want to mess up so we start comparing ourselves and we put things on facebook when we think things are going great and when they're not we don't make any posts and you know what i mean like we settle into this totally i'm a good parent thing but in reality a job that important is God's job only. Like, I have a role to play. Right. But the Lord's going to raise this kid. Yep. I have a, an important role. I'm not saying I, I'm not involved. I'm saying I have a very important role. But my success as a parent is going to depend on my 
success as someone who listens to Jesus and does what he tells me. Yeah. And can I just make a plea here? Can can parents just stop raising their kids online? Mm. Like, can you just, like, stop, you know, posting your parenthood online? Like, like that's just not natural. It's very unnatural for us to to raise our families online. Like, like our kids, we're, we're exploiting our kids in some ways. Like, and then, and then people are looking at us like, just raise your kids. Like, do stuff that's not online. Like, like don't post everything that you do. Like, like mm. this is important. It's not human. Yeah. It's not human, like, to do this. And so I think a lot of times with the internet, we're constantly thinking about what we can post and what we can do and what we can look at. Instead of just thinking, like, I have such a huge job in front of me. Who cares what's on the internet? Mm. Like, I need to have a conversation with my kid. I need to go on a date with one of my kids and not post anything. I need to have conversations that no one else knows about. I need to do things that no one else sees. This is important. Mm-hmm. It helps us focus on the ladder that God has in front of us to climb. And, and instead of, you know, looking at, you know, everything that other people are doing are drawing attention so other people can look at us. Yeah. And it's like, no, no. It reminds me a lot of St. Therese. I mean, everybody loves St. Therese, right? Everybody loves St. Therese with good reason. Yeah. She's awesome. But her only desire was to be so small and unknown. Right. And to live her little life in this little convent in France. Yes. And even her family. I mean, she was raised by saints, folks. And and they were known in their parish and stuff, but they weren't famous people. They weren't like, they didn't want to have those kinds of things. They weren't telling people how to raise their kids or, you know what I mean? Like they were just living their life, being obedient to Jesus. They did great things. Don't get me wrong. But Therese's only desire was to become very small and a little plaything for Jesus. Like she would say, like a little toy that Jesus can play with as he wants, right? Pick up, put down, whatever. And like that's success. That's Christian success. And so if I'm going to imitate her, I should want to become very small and unknown, especially the most intimate parts of me, like my prayer life raising my kids, even my marriage. These are all good things. And, you know, there is there is room for putting good things out there on the internet with so many bad things. Okay, I get that. But there's also room for making myself very small to Jesus. And the most important things about Jesus that he gave me to do, love my wife and my kids, to have that be very small and unknown. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. So Paul and Adam talking the art of living come back we're going to talk about what pulls us out save me comparison save me we'll be right back the paul george show is made possible in part by our partners at solidarity health share solidarity is the catholic solution to the health care problem are you paying too much for your health care cost solidarity health share is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our catholic beliefs best yet Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Adam Conk in studio. We're in Paul. the midst of a deep conversation, actually. We've gotten a lot. A lot bigger than what I thought. Yeah. I mean, compared to other conversations, this one's really deep. <laughs> yeah. So the word compare, you know, when you look at it in Latin, means yeah. what? Uh, I don't, tell me. You're a scholar. <laughs> to be equal with? Yeah. So to compare yourself to another one would be like 
how do how am I equal with them? Yeah, when I, you say equal, it, it it to be light like like you know mm-hmm. like so if I'm looking up at someone or where they are different than me, I'm saying I'm, I'm not I'm not equal with them, and so therefore something's wrong. Something's wrong. So I'm, I'm less than, or know, I'm so. better than them. So the things are great. Yeah, and they're less than me. Right. So so we can get on different sides of that. Mm-hmm. You know, in comparing. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can look at someone less who I think less than me and you know in comparing you know so it's a it's a real dangerous approach well one thing i have to check all the time and i'm not awesome at it but you know we're talking earlier about instead of comparing ourselves with another we, j- we just follow jesus and so it's really hard especially in today's day and age with everything so visible you mentioned the internet and i mean people's dirty laundry is just all over the place and uh it, it's it's hard to not judge people's intentions mm-hmm. and just say, you know, maybe they're doing exactly what Jesus is asking them to do. I don't know. Right. That's not my life. That's not my picture. That's them. Right. You know? And so it's hard not to just judge an intention and say, oh, well, this is why they did that or, you know. Right. But I don't know. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, you know, who spend a lot of time thinking about other people's lives instead of working on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, Looking at everybody down the ladder. Yep. Instead of working on our own lives and the issues and the things that we need to work on. And we're constantly focused on fixing other people's problems. You know, so, you know, as we're talking about this, I think, you know, one of the things is like, hey, we're all human. We all struggle. Uh, we all compare. Like, no, no one's perfect at this. Uh, so what are the things that really pull us out of comparing and, yeah, what and allow do? us to, to think clearly and just to be on the ladder that that we're called to be in life, and and to climb that w- at whatever pace God's calling us to. And um, there's this old term that the early desert fathers came up with called acidia. You know the term. Mm-hmm. And acidia. Uh, let me see how you spell it. So if people were looking it up, but it. A C E. Yes. Yep. 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 There's a good book actually called The Noonday Devil, but it's called uh, Acidia, A-C-E-D-I-A. And uh, it's basically like, I don't know if you would sum it up, it's kind of like um, kind of a like a despair, mm. uh, a little bit of like, you know, desolation. Yeah, sloth, uh, sloth is laziness, lack of motivation. One of the best, uh, it's actually related to comparing definitions of that I've heard that stuck with me a lot is Asadia or a sloth is despair at the difficulty of the good. Yes. So the good is difficult, and I'm sad because of that. Right. Or despairing. Right. Yeah, and the reason I bring that up is because the early Christians, early desert fathers, people who went and prayed in the desert, uh, the monks, the people who lived in, you know, uh, this dedicated life to Jesus, uh, it started experiencing this this sort of sidia, and is it one of the 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 truest forms of like pulling you out of this this you know funk funk? Yeah, is the incarnation, the idea, not the idea, the reality that Jesus became one of us, like Jesus comes. Uh, to be one of us, you know, and you talked about this earlier in the show that, you know, we, we oftentimes even compare ourselves to, to Jesus and he's sort of up here and we're down here, but that's not true. 
actually, is that Jesus becomes one of us so he can live inside of us. So the grace of Jesus lives in us through our baptism and confirmation, through us saying yes to the Lord. And it is Jesus in us who allows us to, to climb, to move forward, to paint the picture that God wants us to paint. And constantly in my own life, when I know I'm struggling, I know it's because I'm forgetting the fact that God sent his son Jesus to save me from my despair. Mm-hmm. Like right now. Like right now. Mm-hmm. He saves me from comparing. He saves me from feeling like I'm less than because I'm not here. I'm not there. I didn't do this. I didn't achieve that. I'm not successful at this. Other people are better than me. Jesus saves me from those thoughts. Yeah. But we have to be attentive to him, and, it, and that's that's always a big challenge. Um, I noticed the book you were looking at, The Noonday Devil. It's like as life goes on, we get tired, we get weary. Our instincts kick in, and sometimes our worst instincts towards success, towards comparing to others, towards, like, we get back into that rat race so easily. Right. And, um, I mean, how do, we, how do we stay attentive to the presence of Christ? Like you just mentioned, like, when times are struggling, we notice we lost our attention. How does that focus stay center stage? I mean, how do the saints do it? Yeah, so, I, you know, so we bring up the first point is the incarnation, but to mm-hmm. be reminded of the incarnation is prayer. Like, we got to be in prayer. Like, we mm. got to pray. I think oftentimes people, you know, I was talking to someone the other day, they're like, you know, yeah, I pray. I'm like, what's your prayer like? And it was almost like in times of despair or in times of comparing or in times of envy or jealousy or the, all these things that were coming up is that their prayer wasn't raw enough. Like, it wasn't honest enough. Yeah. And if you read the Psalms, like, you see how raw, how pure, how um, desperate the prayer is like you know David's prayer or whoever wrote the other psalms is mm-hmm. it was like this desperation oftentimes like there were good psalms of like rejoicing but there're also psalms of like god i don't know god i can't see god i don't know what to do i don't know how to do this where are you where are you i so i think oftentimes our prayer just has to be really real and raw and where we are instead of pretending like everything's okay hey jesus it's like Jesus, I'm struggling right now. Jesus, I can't see right now. Jesus, I'm constantly looking at other things right now. Jesus, I need your help to focus on just what you want me to see in my life. Yeah. I think we all have the experience in our life of somebody we've had, I guess it's like the mother figure. And I'm not talking about our mom. Maybe our mom is like this, but my mom actually is like this. Like she was a teacher. She still is. But on campus, she was kind of everybody's mom. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the presence of somebody like that, it's almost like it's harder to do things like compare yourself to others or become competitive or their presence. Something about their presence brings out the best of everybody right? and then keeps their attention in such a way that it's easier to be yourselves because this person is in the room. And if we don't think of Christ like that, like if we don't have a, an experience of him like that, then we're missing probably one of the essential elements of our Christian walk, which is we are ourselves most in the presence of Christ who is always present to us. And this is exactly the third thing. So the mm-hmm. things that bring us out of this comparison and this darkness and this, you know, this constant funk um, and to, to really see clearly in our life, you know, to, to the incarnation and then, and then praying with that, mm-hmm. praying with the reality of who Jesus is. But you bring up the third point and, and it's this that it's Jesus who reminds us of our identity. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so you talk about your mom being sort of this, you know, the, the teacher of, of the, of the, uh, of all the kids, this, you know, a teacher reminds a good teacher, a good coach, as we talked about sports mm-hmm. early, reminds each kid, each student, each player of who they are, what their gifts are, what they're good at, what they can work on, but they're confident in their identity. A bad teacher, a bad coach doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Jesus comes in the incarnation to claim us as his sons and daughters and reminds us of who we are inside of God. We're created in the image and likeness of God, and I'm God's son, God's daughter. Like Our identity in Christ is probably one of the most important things that we can be reminded of constantly in our day that pulls us out of comparing. And one of the signals that we've we've lost attention to Christ in that way is when our mind wanders to compare. Right. Right. I mean, I think it was, uh, oh shoot. I usually remember things like this. St. Jose Maria Escriva. Yeah. No, it was St. Ignatius. St. Ignatius said, look, if you get distracted in prayer and you have to call yourself back to, to the presence of Christ over and over again, that's good prayer. Because it's just There's honest. nothing wrong with that. Because it's honest. That's at least prayer. that many times that you chose Christ over a distraction. Right. Even if it's 70 times, 100 times, those are 100 choices. I'm distracted. I'm comparing. I'm lustful. I'm whatever. But I'm going to remember Christ now and choose him anyway. Because we're struggling with these thoughts does not mean there's something wrong. It's actually a way to love Jesus, to go back to him that many times a day. Right. So here's the beauty of the incarnation. You know, this is reminded of the incarnation, reminded that the, an honest prayer, even in our struggle, of our identity. And so as we talk about comparing, meaning in Latin to be equal with, here's the reality of the incarnation. Jesus comes to be human so he can be equal. Mm. He can be equal with us, right? So that he can pull us out of our sin, out of our anxiety, out of our fear, out of our comparing. He pulls us up. Jesus pulls us up to be equal with him. Not that we're ever a God, but that through him and him living in us, we're more than we could ever be on our own, mm-hmm. right? So, so Jesus comes to make us holy, to make us saints, to pull us out. Even in our struggle, even in our regret, our pain, our past, all these things, even in the fact that maybe one day I have darkness over me, that Jesus comes in that and he becomes equal with us so he can pull us out of ourselves, out of our sinfulness, so that we can achieve more in our life than we can on our own. Yeah. Wow. I remember, I mean, what does St. Paul say? Christ did not form, he, he did not deem equality with God. Something to be Something grasped. Something to be grasped at. Equality. He didn't compare himself to his divine majesty that is his by right. Like, he didn't keep himself there, but rather emptied himself and took the form of a slave, slave. the bottom of the rung. Yep. Um, so that he could pull us up. So that he could pull us up. And I, I think there's just something pro, so profound about this habit of humility, which is really what we're talking about. I mean, what's the opposite of comparing yourself all the time? It's knowing who you really are and being happy with that, yep. which is humility. Yep. Right? And so Jesus... He goes before us, but he's present with us as that humble presence. When we're in his presence, we are the most humble we'll ever be. Right. When we are attentive to him, present to us, we are the most lovable, humble reality of who we are. And, um, yeah, so that's beautiful. Yeah, I think so. One of the things that, 
you know, I'm constantly battling with and it is just, you know, a simple prayer. Like Jesus remind me of who I am, mm. you know? And I do think on a practical level, I have to, and we all have to stop looking at other people and we need to spend less time on the internet and on social media and more time in prayer and more time in real community and fellowship with people who remind us of who we are. Like mm. we need, we need teachers and coaches, quote unquote, uh, to use the analogy in our lives of people who constantly remind us of who we are because we forget and we look at other people uh, oftentimes and we sink, we sink low and Jesus comes to bring us up. We need all those things in our lives uh, to make us better, to make us holier. But we also have to practically stop doing some of the things that we were doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And the only reason, what keeps us back a lot of times, really, is the fear of not being equal to others anymore, right? Like, let's think about something as simple as, uh, I remember when I got rid of cable television. And for some reason, this was revolutionary to the people around me, like my family and stuff. And then as people would tell me their opinion, because they always do, um, <laughs> they're like, I just, I just don't know. I said, well, how many, how many channels do you watch? Three, four. But by getting rid of cable TV, you become one of those people that don't have cable TV. Like one of those people, <laughs> like, right? What does that even mean? <laughs> no, but like we, we, you're talking about getting rid of things in our life and simplifying our life. The comparison game holds us back, wastes our money and our time that we could be spending so much better in other ways. And a lot of times it's just as simple as we're too afraid to not have what other people have. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, we're afraid that we're going to be less than. You know, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to wear the same clothes other people wear, drive the same cars, or go to the same school. We don't discern for ourselves what God wants. We just do what everybody else is doing. This is a dangerous way to live because we stop living the life that God wants us to live. But when we're in prayer and we understand the power of the incarnation and we're reminded of our identity in Christ, then we can live the life God wants for us. And we can be the person God wants us to be. And I can be the best dad and best husband and best worker in what I work in for who God wants for me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not focused on how much I have or how little I have or how much I want to achieve. It's just simply being who I am, trying to be holy in the everyday moments of my life and trusting in Jesus even when it's hard to trust. Yeah. And honestly, that's when we're probably doing God's will, when it's hard to do it. Yeah. It's easy to follow Jesus when it's easy. But like when it takes every bit of trust we have in us, we've probably been following him. You know? Amen to that. So pick up the paintbrushes. Start painting. Your own picture. That's it, man. This is a good show. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone, for uh, for being a part of the show. Feel free to share it in the podcast, paulgeorge.la or discovertheartofliving.com. Feel free to be a part of the show and yeah so thanks adam for everything great Thank discussion you, today thanks to all our sponsors and for everyone who makes it happen paul george adam conk art of living we'll be back next week God bless.